listening, Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank you for listening. I'd love to start connecting with you, my listeners. If you'd like to share your thoughts about this episode or any of the episodes, watch for posts for each of them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I can imagine the energy of connecting over these inspiring people's stories. I mean, maybe, just maybe, you have the same passion, or maybe you've been wanting to talk to someone with this thing going on. Yes, we need to talk. Come find me. Hi there. In today's episode, I'm talking with James Gavsey. James is sort of a modern day superhero, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, let me tell you how we connected and how he ended up on this show. So he followed the show on Twitter. And when I saw his picture and saw what he was doing, I'm like, I need to dig into this guy. What's going on here? And he was doing MMA fighting. Actually, it's kind of right after I said, I want to talk with people who are doing things I know nothing about, like, oh, maybe MMA fighting, and then he showed up. Kind of cool. And he's doing some great things, though, um, when it comes to helping kids deal with bullying and really changing it. I mean, he's not just talking about it. He's out there doing things. So he has a book that he wrote. He's got some great examples of how he implemented the strategies that he talks about. And he built even a newer program that's um, being piloted in schools right now. He's got some stats from that. So it's a pretty cool story. He's making a difference. He's helping our kids. So without further ado, here is James Gavsey. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. We don't know each other at all. We're just like practically strangers, right? Absolutely. I have no idea what you're about. <laughs> you're in for so much trouble. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So let's start out with... Uh, talking about what it is that you do, what your big passion is right now that you're working on in your life? Uh, well, right now, um, I got a lot going on, but what really drives me a lot is the uh, anti-bullying initiatives I'm involved with. Um, I just published a book called The Renegade's Guide to Stopping Bullies, and I'm getting a lot of great attention with that. Um, I also work with this new organization called Protect Our Daughters, which is a Women's Self-Defense Organization, it's a nonprofit, and what we do is we go around to different corporations, teach a really great one-hour kind of like starting kit of self-defense, mm-hmm. and the proceeds are uh, typically donated to different veterans' uh, charities and organizations. That's really great. I mean, it's such an important cause right now. It seems like it becomes a bigger and bigger issue, both of those things in our country, and anything you, you can do to empower young girls and as well as deal with the bullying is... Uh, I'm all over that. So I want to hear a little bit about your program for anti-bullying. How did that come about? Uh, You know, I'm the typical kid who used to get bullied a lot. Mm -hmm. I was the uh, overweight uh, as well as big kid, you know, the gentle giant who uh, was really afraid of all forms of confrontation, both, uh, you know, physical and verbal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of withdrew with, you know, and kind of separated myself from people. And the weird thing is I have an amazing parents, an amazing family, and the shame I felt just caused me to kind of not communicate with them about what was happening. Hmm. That's pretty typical though, don't you think? That's pretty, I mean, I went through that same thing. I didn't tell my parents half of what was going on. Right, exactly. So uh, as a result, you know, through high school, I kind of, you know, got bigger and became physically significant, for lack of a better term. And so the physical bullying kind of stopped, but the social emotional bullying kept going. It wasn't until my mid twenties when I kind of got a handle on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I then moved out, uh, you know, I was living in Atlanta at the time, moved out to uh, LA 
opened up uh, you know, a martial arts facility. And I'm a former software developer and huh. knew that was not for me at all. Right. Yeah, sound familiar? So <laughs> once I came out here, I opened up um, you know, a martial arts facility, specialized in you know, mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and a lot of really great self-defense and combatives. And uh, what happened was a lot of people started coming with their bullying problems, both for their kids and for themselves. Hmm. And I started coming up with some great um, options and strategies that were rooted in not child psychology, but criminal psychology, because that's what bullying is. And they were working and working really, really well. And they went completely against the norm. And uh, I was at a parent-teacher group just kind of giving a quick talk. And the couple of teachers pulled me aside and said, you know, what you're saying is completely against what we advocate. Why do you have to be such a, you know, anti-bully renegade? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I've been looking for a name for what I'm doing and <laughs> my initiative. Thank you. You just gave it to me. And that's how it was born. I wrote the book and the rest is history. Well, that's a pretty quick synopsis of everything going on. Boy, there was probably a lot of life in between that. So tell me this, you know, I have two sons, right? One's uh, 22 and one is 15. And they've both gone through their share of bullying, going through middle school and high school, especially the older one, actually. The younger one, it's a little bit less. And um, especially the older one, I, you know, he would not react. Like if someone, like he wouldn't, if someone confronted him, he didn't want to get in trouble. So he wouldn't do anything. You know, he would just put up with it. But then he felt like he couldn't say anything because then he would, there would be like retaliation against him later. So he would always just right. sort of like put up with it and move along, move along. And then one day this kid on the bus just was so relentless with him. And we didn't know this at the time. Until he actually turned around and, you know, socked him right in the nose and then broke, I think, broke his nose or gave him a bloody nose. And then my son, of course, was expelled for three days. You know what I mean? It was like this kid was bullying him for an entire year. And then he was the one that got in trouble. And that always, you know, as a parent, you know, first of all, you think, how did I not know this? You know, my poor son was dealing with this day after day, but he was so did not want to deal with being like teased because he told you know, which is very normal. I I remember doing that myself. And he didn't want to deal with the retaliation of being told of something, you know, physically worse happening. So how are you approaching it? Because I think that's a pretty common theme. Sure. So out in in Los Angeles, um, a lot of schools have that similar and extremely faulty philosophy of, listen, if you um, are caught fighting and slash or fighting back, you're, you're equally in trouble, right? Or if you're caught fighting back because someone's been relentless with you with the bullying for whatever for years, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. And the reason why they have that in place is because they don't want disruptions to the school system. Mm-hmm. A school, this is what gets me in trouble with schools, and it's because they know I'm right. Mm-hmm. Schools typically do not have the tools necessary to properly deal with bullying in all its forms. Mm-hmm. They don't. Um, thinking a school can adequately deal with your bullying problems for your kids is like thinking the hospital cafeteria, because they have a kitchen there, could probably make you an amazing steak. <laughs> they, it, it's absolutely not the case. Right. And what schools don't want is any interruption to their school process mm-hmm. of trying to educate kids and what have you. I'm not putting down schools. I know. I'm simply it, saying I recognize yeah. what they can do and what they can't. So what right. I've taught my kids and a lot of other kids as well of various ages um, first of all, I get their parents to give them buy-in to protect themselves and stand up for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Justifiably. And what we do is we say, listen, if you have to defend yourself, right, then we trust you. Here's how, and I show them how to do it. I show mm-hmm. them the words to say, I give them the whole process. I say, well, here's what you can do after it happens. Then if you get in trouble by the school, we're sorry the school feels that way, but we back you 100%. You did the right thing. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, what happens to the kids? In 10 years, when they're 25, 35, mm. 45, and they have this victim mentality of, well, I don't want to rock the boat, so I'm not going to stand up for myself. Right, right. It's not really yeah. an alternative. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. They all come into it on their own, but the one thing I've noticed with my own, I probably shouldn't talk too much about my own son, but, like, one thing I admire about him is he really does state his mind. Like, he kind of grew, he figured it out. He figured out what Great. you were trying to teach on his own. And I'm so proud of him for that. Like he's really knows who he is, which is cool. So tell me about like a couple of success stories you've had with this. Sure. Um, We had one example uh, where this, you know, it was a young boy in middle school Mm -hmm. and, you know, he has an amazing family. They immigrated to the United States, Los Angeles area years ago. 
So, you know, he, and you'll see why this is important. So the family didn't want to rock the boat at all. They were very happy to be in this country. They were happy that their kids were getting the opportunities they never did. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, unfortunately, maybe because the, the, this boy had an accent, I don't know, he was getting beat up a okay. lot. Aww. And the school was saying, well, don't fight back because if you fight back or if you hit, you're going to get in trouble too. Mm-hmm. And it was three boys giving one story to this one boy who was getting hit. So the three boys were always kind of winning out. Mm-hmm. And so the family came to me and I said, got it. So I said, how are they hitting you? And they, they weren't hitting him in the face. They were hitting him in the body mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Number one, they weren't physically committed to like destroying this kid. They just wanted to send a message. And number two, they were smart enough to hit in the body because clothes cover up those kind of bruises. Mm. I mean, they, they were smart bullies. Right. I said, cool, no problem. So here's what we're going to do. I gave them the script, what to say. I said, here's how you're going to throw a jab and a cross. Here's where you're going to aim on the bully's face. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? And I said, before we do this, and the parents right there, I said, are you comfortable with me showing him how to do this? Mm-hmm. And the parents said, yes, absolutely. Because the young boy didn't want to get in trouble. So mm-hmm. I showed him how to do it. I said, here are the words you're going to say. After you hit him, they're probably going to hit the ground or back off. You're going to go to the principal's office and tell it, everything that happened. Mm-hmm. So the next day, the kid runs into the martial arts format. He said, it, it, it happened exactly what you said. I punched him. The mm-hmm. guy, the kid dropped because he was just so unexpected by it. And I walked over to the principal's office and I told him what happened. He's like, what? And I said, great. So you're probably going to get in trouble, but that's okay. That's their issue, not yours. Mm-hmm. I said, but more importantly, we got to talk to the bully now. And he's like, why would I talk to the bully? I said, because we've got to resolve this. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow you're going up to the bully and you say, look, man, you know, I didn't mean to cheap shot you like that, although it wasn't a cheap shot. But I said, mm-hmm. you got to use these words to placate him and say, but man, you know, you hit hard. I, I didn't have a choice but to hit you when you weren't looking or weren't mm-hmm. expecting it. Mm-hmm. And the bully, I said, won't probably won't become your friend, but he'll be like, all right, fine. And just say, are we cool? And he'll probably say, yes. Sure enough, it happened just like that. Wow. Yeah. The second success story, and this won't be much quicker, mind you. No, it's not. Um, okay. It's we good to have bully. this. I think this is going to be good for people to hear because people might be skeptical, you know? Right, right, right. We, we had a, um, uh, a bully who came into the martial arts school. He was being a bully outside of the school. And his parents were having a hard time with him and just didn't know what to do. So the instructors came to me who were teaching him and said, we don't know what to do with this kid. And I said, no problem. So I went up to him and I said, you're coming with me. Let's go. We're talking over here. And he's like, yes, sir. He was very, very not afraid, but respected mm-hmm. me a lot, which mm-hmm. was good. And I said, you know what I've noticed about you? And he's like, what? And I said, I've noticed this for a long time, by the way. So I'm really coming down on him. He's thinking I'm going to get him in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I said, I noticed that people follow you. And he looks at me and he's like, what? I said, yeah, I, I noticed that people listen to you. He's like, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, how would you like to be an assistant instructor? And he looked at me and he's like, what? what? Wow. I said, yeah. And that yeah. way, I said, because that way people will listen to you. You can help me teach the, you know, some classes. I'll teach you how to be an instructor. But I said, you know, we've got a code here. And, you know, a lot of what you're doing has got to stop because now you're in a leadership position. And you've got to lead by example. And I said, can you do that for me? And he looked at me and said, yes, sir. And it was an instant turnaround. I gave him responsibility because a lot of bullies, what they don't mm-hmm. get is validation for some reason. And that's uh, one of the main reasons they lash out. Well, and a lot of times I think they have their own massive self-esteem issues. And they're just using oh. bullying as a way to build themselves up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So somebody so, did like what you're doing by noticing that he has leadership capabilities is turning that into something positive. But not all of them that are, that are bullies necessarily have that, but they need somebody to help see their, their light, their goodness. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, so we can't, the problem with bullying I've seen, and this is why I really advocate a different approach, is, you know, the most common type of bullying is something I label as unintentional bullying. And what I mean by that is when mm-hmm. a bully does what she or he does, it's not that they don't realize it's uh, an activity which constitutes bullying. It's just that on an emotional scale of one to 10, where 10 is like super hurtful, one is nothing. Mm-hmm. They mean to give a two or a three, but it's received as an eight or a nine by their victim. Mm. They never had the intention of absolutely destroying this person. Right. They, they don't, they don't yeah, know that. Especially emotional bullying. You just don't know where someone's coming from, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's one thing so when you when someone's a physical bully because you can see, you know, I, I did this, they fell down, or I did that, they looked hurt or whatever. But with emotional bullying, you know, you can be um, hurting someone who's already ultra fragile and now you've broken them, you know? Exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. If you think of a uh, the unfortunate, you know, suicides that, that stem from bullying-like activity or the bully sides, uh, 99% of the time, 
when the people who are the perpetrators of the bullying realize what happened and really kind of understand the scope of the, the tragedy, they typically are so, um, you know, in, in a state of, oh my God, the remorse is, is insane. They, right. they can't believe they did that. They, they hurt another human being to that extent that they would take their lives. Right. And they, they are just, they're like, we wish we could take this back. So they never intended for that to happen or mm-hmm. for it to be that hurtful, right? Which is why, again, I call it unintentional bullying. And that's, I think, a really important thing to teach kids today because they, I, like, I wouldn't have thought of that myself. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have stopped and thought of it that way. And I imagine most kids don't. And right. today, there's so many ways where they can do the, they can create those hurts with with social media and all of the things. You know, back in my day, the only reason I <laughs> knew if somebody said something bad about me was if you know someone finally passed the information along to me. Whereas right. now. You just log on to Facebook or Twitter and you can see what everybody's saying about everybody else for kids. I mean, it's just got to be horrible. Yeah, it is. And also think of it this way, too. You know, when when you and I were growing up, if someone was bullying us, at least we could go home. Right. Right. Like the bullies wouldn't come to our house. With cyberbullying, which is text messaging, emails, as well as every social media platform kids are on. Mm-hmm. They can turn on their phone, their computer, their mobile device, whatever it is in their bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, in their house. And all of a sudden, the, the cyberbully can reach them there. Oh, so there's no safe yeah. place anymore. And that's yeah. one of the real reasons it's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. So you're going out to schools and talking about this now, right, as your book gets out? Is this what you're, where you're taking your message? Nope. I'm oh. doing something actually way different. Yeah. Oh. Here's the thing. Yeah, I, I, I partner with a guy named Donald Neuer who gives him. He's a sergeant with the National Guard, just a great, great human being. Uh, walking, talking superhero, and he gives out this amazing school presentation. Like if, if I had to say how would a school presentation has to be given, mm-hmm. I'd say, Donald, please go ahead and do it right here. Okay. He's got it nailed. Gotcha. But he and I agree on one thing, that a school presentation is a good start. That's like, okay, you went to the gym and you had an amazing workout. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't then say, I'm glad that's done. I don't have to go to the gym ever again. You need something that's reinforced. Mm-hmm. So what I did is created a year-long anti-bullying program we had a test school in Santa Maria High School implement it. Amazing principal, amazing staff. I wish I had people like this in my high school growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put the program, it's called the Guardians Program. Mm-hmm. And in a nutshell, it's a group of five, at least five seniors of that high school who are significant socially, you know, popularity wise, sports, academically, who are led by an adult facilitator. And they proactively help people who are at risk of being bullied, who are currently being bullied. Um, and also students know better about the, the cyber landscape than the school administration ever will. Mm-hmm. So they can report back and say, hey, this is what's happening on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, Periscope or what have you. Mm-hmm. So we did a test run. And so that's what I'm doing now is putting those into school. We did that's a test awesome. run. Yeah. And it's something I wish I had mm-hmm. or could have been part of. So we did a test run at Santa Maria High School, and we reduced, and I still can't believe him, but the principal is assuring me this is exactly what happened. He's a good guy, so I trust him. We've reduced bullying by 80% from last wow. year. Wow, that's and, incredible. And they track everything. Yeah, and it's because we create, we're trying to create, a, there's been a cultural shift where everyone's right. on board, and it's not one of these things that's so, I don't know the right term, weak. I find a lot of anti-bullying um, you know, initiatives to be really weak, mm-hmm. like when they say, our, our bullying message, anti-bullying message is we should all live good lives and treat each other really, really well. Mm-hmm. That's super weak. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying it's weak. Mm-hmm. And people don't buy into that. Right. But when you have the captain of the football team, the smartest person in high school, the you know school president or whatever, mm-hmm. all together who are changing the culture and landscape right. of, of the school, that's much more powerful. And the best part about the program is that the seniors who make up the Guardians one year have to find their replacements for the following year. Oh, that's awesome. My son, yeah, my, so. my younger son would be all over that. He's all about justice and, you know, making sure everyone's getting treated fairly and that he would be like such a superstar at that. You'll have to get it out to our school or maybe we'll have to move I out would. there, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be doing a lot more press um, once I have this rig. So I wanted to do a really good test run and kind of have results to back right. it up. And we've got that now. So probably starting in August, I'll be doing a lot of press hyping up the Guardians program. You know, one of the things that I witnessed um, watching my kids at one point, there was, you know, sometimes kids are afraid to even stand up for other kids, right? So they'll see Mm -hmm. someone bullying or, you know, calling, calling someone names, even in like middle school and high school, but just really 
trashing somebody and they won't want to say anything because they don't want to get in the middle of it or don't want to, you know, cause trouble. And I remember seeing this one kid when uh, my other son and a few kids were out playing and he, one of the kids was bullying saying bad names to somebody. And this kid just said, Hey, that's not cool. Just stop. And he wasn't the kind of kid that was going to beat up the other kid. Like this kid who was Mm -hmm. saying, it's not cool. Stop. Uh, He wouldn't have like picked a physical fight, but he was just sure of himself. Like, listen, I'm not tolerating that from you. And the kid stopped. And I thought, I would not have had the balls to say that when I was in middle school. You know what I mean? I mean, even sure. that alone, giving kids, making kids feel empowered to stand up for other kids, you know, I think that's such a huge thing. It is a huge thing. This is actually a very common question I get from parents, which is, how do I instill this in our kids, mm-hmm. in my, you know, in their kids? There's a couple of answers to that. The first one is, as parents, we have to model the behavior we want our kids to have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll let my kids not see me get into a physical confrontation because I I avoid those. I can talk my way out of it or I just I don't even engage Mm -hmm. the rare, rare, rare time that happens. But in verbal confrontations, I let my kids listen on in onto very select Mm -hmm. uh, phone calls I'll make. And, you know, they'll witness certain conversational that are difficult, you Mm -hmm. know, for some people to have. Um, just so they can witness not just the fact that, hey, it's you can stand up for yourself, but that you should and that mm-hmm. you can handle it. And as long as you're respectful to them and most importantly to yourself, mm-hmm. you'll know what you know, you'll know what's reasonable, what's not, what to put up with and what not to put up with. So that's the first thing. The the other thing that's really important is when parents come to me, they, oh, I can't tell you how much how often this is said. It's just ridiculous. And they say, you know, I really hope that my kids never get affected by bullying, which means they, they're saying they hope their kids never get bullied, mm-hmm. are never the bully, are never the bystander or the witness or what have you. And I say, I look at them and I say, that's like saying you hope your kids are never going to get a cold. Right. It's right. going to happen. It right. is absolutely going to happen. It's human so, nature. That's all part of human right. nature. Yeah. It's power acquisition at someone else's expense. This happens all the time, every mm-hmm. day, all day. But what I will say is, so let's proactively plan for this to happen. Like we know there's a good chance it's going to happen. So what I do is I put, I tell parents to get spies within the school who communicate back to them about their child's activity. So my kids, again, hopefully I I mentioned this in another interview and I really hope they don't listen to this. (laughs) I hope everyone else does. I hope my kids don't. They're about to reveal the secret. I've got spies at their school that they don't know about that Uh I can email and email me on a regular basis and tell me what's going on with my kids. Oh, that's nice. That's how, how do you get these, these, so these spies? Is it like, uh, teachers or is it other kids? Yeah. Some, some of our teachers, some of our, you know, gym coaches or regular Mm -hmm. coaches, um, you know, school administrators, whomever kind of see my kids at different times of the day. Mm -hmm. And, and it's really cool how you go up to a teacher and you say, Hey, I I really need your help with this. Teachers love to be validated Mm -hmm. because they don't get a lot of validation. They're Mm -hmm. so underappreciated. And you say, Hey, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. If it's not too much trouble, I would love for you, you know, if I ever email, can I email you? Can you email me if you see anything? And really, more often times than not, the teachers are super happy to do mm-hmm. that. Um, the other thing I do, too, is when I talk to my kids, and I really want to create a, an atmosphere of where we can be open and share. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll often, you know, at dinner or what have you, I'll talk to my kids like, hey, something weird happened to me today, and I want your advice. Mm-hmm. My kids are like, really? You want our I'm like, yes, I want your advice. Here's what happened. Here's how I handled it. What do you What do you think of what I did? How would you have handled it differently? Oh, that's great. Letting them sort of like sort through things like that in life. It's a great experience. Good example. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's what I'm about. So you were also saying that you have this program for girls, empowering girls. Is there anything more you want to say about that? Sure. It's called Protect Our Daughters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was founded by this genius of a person. Her name is uh, Georgette Mossbacher, self-made um, super intelligent, great person who, uh, you know, New York socialite, um, and, uh, really wants to give back to our veterans and help society as well. And mm-hmm. she just put her head together and said, okay, let's, you know, let's do this where we, you know, teach for, teach women self-defense, make money and give back to the veterans. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a great program all around. So I came on board. I created a, a, a one hour curriculum, which is a great start. Mm-hmm. to women's self-defense and uh, we're going around to big companies big corporations and uh, also community events and teaching really large groups of people um, this one hour um, you know curriculum is this mainly for adults or for children 
It's for any any women ages 12 and up. Oh, okay. Nice. That's really exciting. Yeah. And what makes us different is I'm doing a lot of the instruction. I teach it like a, I'm running a game show. Mm. It's really fun. It's high energy. Mm-hmm. There's no you know fear-based training at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm about 6'3", 260 pounds. So the techniques have to work on me. And mm-hmm. the other instructors, we've had Navy SEALs, uh, coaches of mixed martial arts fighters, uh, special forces people, and all the techniques have to work on us, guaranteed, if wow. you do it the right time, the right way. And they do. I'd like to learn that, especially before I travel uh, around the world alone. <laughs> that would be good information yeah. to have. Absolutely. So, so yeah, if we yeah. come to Wisconsin, you know, we'll absolutely, let's hook it up. All right. That sounds good. So, hey, I want to switch gears a little bit here. And um, one of the things I noticed when I was checking out your Twitter is that you have a lot of things about Marvel Comics and social and um, superheroes and things like that, right? Absolutely. All right. I mean, so, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Well, there might be a few people that don't, but <laughs> I don't know any. Everybody I know does. I have one myself. I told you about that. So right. um, I was wondering if that is part of like what plays into this quest that you have, like if that um, having a strong attachment to that is what plays into this quest you have of helping the underdog, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Growing up, especially uh, when I was much younger, um, getting bullied, my biggest desire was for some superhero to come swooping down, scare off the bullies, put their arm around me and say, don't worry, we're in this together. I'm going to train you or do whatever I have to do to make you powerful so that this will never be an issue ever again. Mm. I was really hoping for that. All right. And so it, it seems like you have done that. How did how did you transition to your own words of the gentle giant to an MMA trainer? Are you do you do you do MMA fighting as well? Or are you like are you No, I've coached a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been involved in, you know, on the production side as mm-hmm. well as helping promote fights. And I learned early on, you know, I did a couple of like small level things back in Canada. I I barely would call them organized. Of, in fact, it probably wouldn't even count. Um, <laughs> so backroom kind of MMA times. stuff. Like <laughs> you got it. You got it. What you know? What a nice Jewish Canadian boy would do if <laughs> they decided not to be an accountant or something. You know, MMA. So what I what I realized was, um, I'm either lacking something or have too much of something. Probably lacking something because <laughs> I got really like I had to get really angry, uh-huh. like almost maniacally angry, and um, I couldn't come down for a couple of weeks oh. from it after the event. And I said, you know, I'm not meant for it. I love the sport. I love mm-hmm. what I got self-defense wise. And I love the camaraderie. Not for me. Oh. To, you know, jump in a cage, manufacture hate for this person, and then disassociate from that hate the moment the fight's over. I'm like, not, not a me thing. Right. Um, but what I realized was, you know, you know, when I, when I learned, when I realized I wanted to kind of really go nuts with martial arts, and it wasn't really martial arts. It was more like combative self-defense, weapons work, you mm-hmm. know, gun usage, gun disarms. I mean, more, I'm not into the whole tournament side or, you know, um, I, I just want to know stuff that worked so that if I ever got into any type of situation, I was prepared as possible. I may have gone a little overboard, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And what I realized through my training is the better I got on in fighting and the more I started researching the psychology of confrontation and criminal psychology, I realized that I'm really good at de-escalating and making people not want to fight. Okay. So not so much... For yourself, once you're out of the ring, but you mean like when you're in a situation that's about to happen, yeah. right? Right. Like, you know, my, my kids laugh when someone like, you know, it's LA, traffic's horrible and, you know, someone's having a bad day and they're honking their horn at you and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, swearing like crazy or what have you. And my kids see me just laughing going like, wow, I guess he's having a bad day. Oh, well, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's me too. I'm, that's about all I do. I'm pretty tame that way. Right. And that's it. Because, I, you know, who wants all of the mess that comes with that after? Right. There's really no point. I mean, I don't like to engage unless I'm, I mean, unless I'm forced into it, which for me, luckily, is pretty much never. So, you know, not not that sure. people don't really come after me and look to uh, <laughs> to have any throwdowns. I don't know. They... I researched you. I researched you thoroughly. I know about your criminal background. <laughs> I've read about your gang affiliation. Yeah. I think you're on Sons of Anarchy. As yeah. One of the main fight. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I I know all about you. Oh, I you have no idea you. how funny that is. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to shake off the, she's so nice. I'm trying to shake that off a little bit and look a little bit badass once in a while, and that's hard enough for me. So I'm working on it, though. Maybe I need to get some MMA training, and they'll take me seriously. So um, do you have a favorite fighter? Um, I don't. I like too many. I know a whole bunch of them. So I just, I, I, it's the worst part is when you know both people who are fighting Mm -hmm. and all that you want to have happen is that they're both okay when they leave the cage. (laughs) Yeah, but that's hard. (laughs) I know. I want to call them like, okay, so who needs a hug? Are you guys okay? You know? Um, but I I just love, I love MMA just for what it is, um, Mm -hmm. and realizing what it isn't as well. Mm -hmm. And it's a fun little, uh, you know, departure from real life for a while. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's an acquired taste. I'll put it that way. What about um, superheroes? Do you have a favorite? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. You know, Batman, Superman. Um, and one of my favorites, I think DC is doing a movie about him, is uh, Shazam, otherwise known as Captain Marvel. And I le- he was one of my first favorites because he was, you know, a little boy, mm-hmm. Billy Batson, who could say Shazam in terms of this big, huge, strong guy who could, you know, be pretty much like Superman. I didn't know about him. I only know mm. a few of them, so that's a new one. Yeah, I realize. Out. Uh, I think they're working. I think The Rock is playing the main bad guy. But oh, I love um, him. He, That'll be he's awesome. amazing. He's amazing. I met him briefly, um, and he is—he was at least the nice. I mean, he absolutely is the nicest guy. I hear just nothing but great things about him. Yeah, you know, I follow him on um, Instagram, and he is, by all appearances, extraordinarily kind. Yeah. Absolutely. Gives back every yeah. opportunity he can. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that that goes together. Giant monster guy. And I mean, I, I mean that in the most appealing way possible because you know what I mean? He's just huge. He's huge. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But he's so kind. I love that. Um, yeah, so any, talking superhero. any other, yeah, he actually, <laughs> good boy. Any other uh, superheroes you want to call out while we're, while we're on that topic? Um, you know what? I love all the superheroes on like superheroes out there. I'm the, as my wife says, you know, whenever a new movie comes out, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go to some special events and mm-hmm. some premieres for certain movies, but I have a, uh, what she calls the nerd group, which is a group <laughs> of other guys and some women too that we just get together and we all go see like, you know, the movie when it comes out. Right. So <laughs> I just want, I'll watch any superhero movie whenever it comes out. I'm really hyped for Wonder Woman. Um, I hear it's great and I think it's, um, so needed to have, um, a woman as the lead hero, um, finally. I am so excited about that too, because, you know, I'm, I've got one I'm working on, so it's going to happen. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. You I can't I, mention, you I can't say you her can't name too much about it. You can't say too much, but you've now mentioned her twice. I know. I know. I've got to be really quiet. She's in, uh, she's in production, so. Got to be really quiet about it. So um, speaking of in production, I know you can't say a lot about it, but one of your other lines of work is in the movie industry. Um, What it looks like, what is it that you do there? You're not an actor for the most part, right? No, actually, um, when I was still in my old days in Canada, I did some acting, but it's more on the production side. Okay. Yeah. So more um, trying to, you know, create a story get the resources behind it and um, make a go of it. So actually, because I don't know this and now you're here and I can ask you, what does it mean to be like an executive producer or a producer? What is, what exactly does that entail in a short, you know, not like hours, but. Sure. Sure. The the two (laughs) titles can mean a whole lot of things. Producer, in my opinion, usually means more of like you're, you're on, you're in charge of some aspect of physical production of whatever project you're working on. Okay. So you're in charge of making sure, you know, the resources you need, um, like the actual physical resources, the equipment you need, the people are in place. You're the producer. Okay. The executive producer is kind of more of the parent, right? Like the mm-hmm. mom or dad of the whole project. Okay. Like, okay, I've got to make sure, you know, the money is there and that the power player, the studio or the network who wants to take on this project, I've got to represent the project to them. How and they're did- kind of like the main decision makers. How did you get involved in uh, making movies? Like, this is a pretty broad, you know, pretty wide range of, of work that you do. So how did you get involved in that? Sure. No. Um, and please do not mistake me for what I'm not. I'm not okay. like some Hollywood mega producer type. You know, I've got mm-hmm. my hands in, involved in a few different projects. I've produced a couple of little projects as well. 
Um, but the reason why I wanted to go the executive producer route is because um, when I moved to Los Angeles, and even when I did the acting back in Canada, I saw that the power was not in the hands of the actors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the actors, and I, and I call actors, you know, I label both women and men as actors. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the actors would go out and they're having to put themselves on, you know, display, rightfully so, mm-hmm. in front of casting agents, directors, and what have you, to try to land the role. But they didn't have any power in this. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't get a role, it was because nothing, they may have done nothing wrong. They, they may not have had the right look or the right tonality or something was going on. So I thought, you know, what if I made my own stuff? Mm-hmm. And I could, and originally it was like, I'll make my own stuff and kind of be the, one of the actors in that. That works. And what I found was I just really liked the production side of getting all the resources in play. Mm-hmm. I love dealing with the different personalities, especially the difficult personalities. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just like, if someone's got crazy demands, I'm like, cool, let me talk to them real quick. Mm-hmm. And I can usually bring them back down to earth. I just, I just love the whole challenge. And it's a crapshoot. It's like uh, a friend of mine has a show on TV now that he's been trying to develop for years. And he, uh, I, I saw it from concept to initial script. To, I was there for the pilot, and it it took forever. And his show went um, like after twenty other shows uh, had a pilot produced, mm-hmm. and I think his was the one that was chosen to keep going. Well, obviously it was, mm-hmm. but like a network could spend millions and millions of dollars on all these different show concepts, develop, even shoot like a pilot or a couple right. episodes for one, and all of a sudden just say, "Yeah, we're not doing that anymore. We'll stick with this one." That must be so stressful. You know what I mean? To work in that industry. Like from here, you know, I see the, oh, wow, it must be so cool to be an actor because you get to go and, you know, have so They always look like they're having so much fun, you know. But the reality is, gosh, it, I mean, you could be doing all that work and then it's just tossed away. You know? It is. And, 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 you know, I never realized, I never appreciated how talented a good actor really is. And this goes for voice acting too. Mm-hmm. Um, there really is a lot of talent required. Like some people are natural mm-hmm. or naturally inclined towards it, but they still train. They still have to go to classes. I mean, they still do really great actors who you and I have never even heard of, mm-hmm. but would say, oh yeah, I recognize her from that show. And oh, yeah, he did an episode of that. Mm-hmm. They are so well-trained and so amazing at their craft. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 beyond what, you know, what I had any idea about, you know, as a, what I, you know, for lack of a better term, civilian, you know, who doesn't right. know anything about the entertainment industry. You know, there's this like misconception, I think, and it might be just me. I think it's sort of a, anybody else outside of LA just always thinks everyone in LA is involved in the movie industry or, you know, acting or something because I don't know for whatever reason, but I'm sure that that's not the case when there's so many people there, they can't all be doing that. Right. There, there's not everyone's involved in the entertainment. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not everyone's not involved everyone? in the entertainment industry. It's crazy. Um, yes, absolutely everybody. Absolutely everybody's involved. In fact, it's a re- <laughs> prerequisite. If you're born in LA, you're automatically auditioned for diaper commercials. It's crazy. But now, now you're just making um, fun of me. <laughs> I, I totally am. No, it's um, a lot of people are. But what's crazy is, um, you know that that whole cliche thing where you're out for dinner. You, you got to be really careful of what you say because, mm-hmm. again, I'm not a power player by any means. I'm not even close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone hears, overhears, like I'm talking to my wife about, yeah, here's what I did today and I read a script or here's my, you know, my, I'm pitching something. The waiter, the barista at Starbucks, <laughs> hey, you know, I got a great script. I'd love to say it your way. I'm like, no, thank you. But if oh, you can wow. give me that chai latte, that'd be great. So Thanks. do you ever just do that just for fun, though, just to see what happens? What's that? you know, talk out loud specifically about a new script just to see what happens, like how many people show up at your table <laughs> offering you things. You Jane, know. what kind of person do you think I am? <laughs> of course you do, right? <laughs> no, no, I never have. I never have. And I'll tell you why. Because okay. I, I was hanging out with someone years ago who did play that game. I just and... mean it as a joke, not as a like, no, 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 but to, it, it's you know, take advantage. It does, but, yeah. it does happen because there's a lot of um, you know, for lack of a better term, entertainment predators oh, out yeah. in LA right. who will completely take advantage of someone's desire to quote unquote make it in Hollywood. Right. And I didn't mean that at all. I just meant no, I was just like, well, how many people would show up if you said that out loud? It's almost like, you know, like vultures or something like that, you know? It it, it depends which part of the city you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that would totally happen. Yeah. Hmm. 
Are you thinking you're going to come out to LA and kind of, you know, have a script in hand and, you know, get on your phone and pretend you're talking about financing <laughs> and just see what happens? No, not at all. Because for one thing, everybody knows I have zero poker face. So they would be on to me right away. Yeah, I'd be like, gotcha. oh. yeah, they would be like, yeah, she's faking it. So there's no yeah, chance. But you have thought happen. about it. You have thought about it. <laughs> Actually, LA scares the hell out of me. My son wants I, to go there so much. And I'm like, I just don't think I can handle it. It's too big. So I'm going to have to figure that one out. LA, I'll tell you what, LA is like, um, it's a lot like Atlanta in that it's a number of communities attached by highways. It's, it's not like this sprawling, huge mega city. It's just like, it's a number of communities mm. like Orange County. I'd have to drive an hour from where I'm at right now to get there. Hmm. And it's all considered LA? Um, I mean, not really, but it's, you know, according to the rest of the world, if you say you lived mm-hmm. in Orange County and they were like, oh yeah, I know that's like part of it. Like it's kind of, depending on where you are in the world, they may think it is. Because I was at Huntington Beach, but I didn't consider it LA. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. A lot of people would actually think that, but it's not. You're right. Yeah. I, what actually is LA? Is there an LA or is that just a blank? Yeah. Term? Well, you typically LA is like LA County. Oh, okay. Okay. Boy, it's confusing. It it's is. big. So um, what's next? What's coming up next with you that you're like getting excited about working on? Um, you know, I'm pushing, um, this initiative, uh, that I'm talking with the anti-bullying with the superhero talk on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm sure you could tell pretty quickly. I am a huge, but proud nerd. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the only thing that separates me from other nerds is that unlike them, I've actually kissed a girl, but other <laughs> than that, I'm like on the same page as all of them. Um, and I'm really pushing this, uh, a new, uh, a podcast I was doing before, but now we're really going to push it harder mm-hmm. with some new strategic partners. It's called who would win. And it's me playing kind of a, you know, LA jerk mm-hmm. character. And we debate who would win between a fictitious superhero battle. And I know, I know you're probably saying, wow, this is intriguing, but it is because <laughs> no, 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 I'm adding it up. I'm actually adding up. Cause I'm thinking there okay. used to be that show on TV where, uh, um, where they would have different like leaders of different wars and things like that from different eras. And they would put them against each other, like Napoleon against, I don't know, General Grant or something like that, you know, based on the weapons that they would have of their era to see who would win a battle. This is is exactly the same thing, except really more socially awkward. (laughs) I mean, actually I love that show, even though I don't really love war and all that kind of thing. I just love the concept of it that, you know, because it was really um, technical. There was a lot of technical aspects about it because of the the what types of weapons they would have and what types of mm-hmm. war warfare they would you know wage. And that it was really interesting. So this is taking two ser- superheroes and deciding who would win in a battle. And you're doing all the talking, or are there like doing it's, playing? I I be one, I take one side. We okay. have another person taking the other side, and we have moderators who are the hosts of the podcast. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Actually, yeah, I think I would like that, even though I have only read like zero comic books. I think I would well, like my it. job. Yeah, perfect. You'd be exactly because my job is to appeal not just to the comic book, you know, enthusiasts, but mm-hmm. also to provide entertainment value. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing I try to do to throw off my opponent is I make really, <laughs> you know, no swearing, but I make really horrific jokes about his mom. <laughs> And <laughs> about a superhero's mom, so like you'd be making... no about them, the, no about my opponent's mom. Oh, the actual opponent. <laughs> so you're not like if the opponent isn't talking, like if he's talking about Hulk and he's defending Hulk in this case, for example, you're not making fun of a Hulk's mom. You're making fun of the the. No, I would mom. say right. I would say gotcha. what's in, what does your mom have in common with the Hulk? <laughs> I used to and really I'd say bad something example. horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and it, it, the answer is nothing, of course. So I'd say something, and this is so out of character because I'm really a rated G personality, but uh-huh. I had to throw this guy off his game. Right. So I'd say, I'm not sure, but when I was, when your mom was making me breakfast yesterday, she was telling me <laughs> that, you know, she feels like she's as strong as the Hulk. So, you know, I, I really don't have an answer to that. And then he would be flustered and I would get a point ahead, you know, ah. so that is the entertainment value that we're providing to this debate. So who are the moderators? They are uh, the host of this amazing podcast called the Naked Porch Podcast. No way. I just followed them today. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to be promoting the Who Would Win segment on their podcast, which is a lot of their podcast is awesome. And they're great people who host it. Um, just like you, you, you know, they have like a lot of fun, great times doing the podcast and they mm-hmm. do it for the right reasons. And, 
yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's so cool. So when is it when is it going live? Do you know? We're doing our first segment. Uh, I think we're recording it on Sunday, and oh, it oh should be gosh. out next week. Yeah. So insider info: Who are you? Uh, who are the first people going to be? Who are the first superheroes going up against each other? Um, well, we're breaking the story right here. So it's um, huh? I'm going to nerd out for a second. I'm so excited. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? It's right. the Avengers versus the Justice League. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going big for the first one. That is. That's like a whole and group of people. It's like, yeah. It is a whole group of people. Yeah. Two whole groups of people. Crazy. <laughs> and um, I'm taking the Justice League because they're better. <laughs> and my opponent is, you know, taking whoever else. It doesn't matter. I'll win. No matter. I got Very it. Very cool. Yeah. I can't wait to hear that. So um, what, how long is your show going to be? How long does it take? I think the segment's going to be like 15 to 20 minutes at most. Oh, that's not bad. Boy, you can take them down that fast? I'm that good, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a social life. I didn't go out with a, you know, I didn't have a date until like my early 20s. So I spent a lot of time, <laughs> uh, too much time focused on the comic book world. It, like, Luckily now, the investment's paying off, but for the longest time, it did not. Yeah, but you know that nerd is the new sexy, right? You know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you're absolutely, good. It's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that. I, but you know what's funny? I work out a lot. I train a lot. I'm mm-hmm. sparring all the time. And it, if I had known all I had to do was just keep reading comic books and watching <laughs> cartoons to achieve what you just said, then wow, <laughs> it would have been a lot easier. A lot yeah, I'm the authority. I'm the authority here. So, yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> I have another one more question for you. This one's kind of, this is my new fun question. Um, Uh-oh. So... Let's see. How do I phrase this? If you is there are there any like um, talents or skills that you really admire someone else can do? Like let's say uh, Messi is that is how you call it the soccer player? Like you just wish you could be like you really admire his um, skills, you know, as a soccer player. Or um, I don't have another good example, but that that you a skill you wish you had or that you really admire but you don't have. Is there something like that that you think? Oh man, I wish I could do that. Like for me. Um, a good example would be, I would love to be like a super great like J-Lo dancer. So is there something like that that you see that you think maybe somebody you would go after or maybe you wouldn't, but you really admire it? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I'm hoping I'm saying this is the right person. I think it, this is someone from, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago. His name is Benjamin Disraeli. Oh, I don't know that. Okay, I, I'm hoping there, there's this great book called like I think it's the 48 Laws of Power. Oh yeah, yeah, I and, know that book. I know that book from okay, Robert yeah. Greene. Yeah, yes, and I'm pretty sure it was in there. And one of the laws of power was like about I think it was about charm. I'm hoping I'm talking about the right book here. And there was this big dinner that he went to, and he sat beside someone of extreme significance and importance. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, everyone tried to go up to this person's significance. I think she was the queen of some country. And try to convince them how um, important they were um, to try to impress her. Mm-hmm. But what the queen said was because of the, not necessarily the charm, but the listening skills and how Benjamin Israeli engaged her, um, because of that conversation with him, she felt like she was the most important person in the world. Oh. And I've seen that kind of charm. You know who has that charm? Oh. Is oddly enough was uh, The Rock. Hmm. Yeah. When I, and I'm saying our interaction was maybe like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is years ago, but he was just, he was, and he wasn't trying to be charming. He was just very engaging. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that as well, but I can work on that. I, I need, I can always improve in that a great deal, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I want. So you see that, you see that talent or um, characteristic in someone yeah. else. And that's, oh, that's a good one. That's very humbling, really quite, quite humbling. Yeah. It's that phrase, there's like a quote, and I, I will totally butcher it because I usually do, but it's something about how, um, you know, it's not about what you say, how people remember you, it's about how you made them feel. Right. Yeah. There you go. And I got it a little backwards, but you know what I mean. I, I know, I feel the same way. Like, I, I, I mean, that's what I remember about other people is how they made me feel, and that's what I try to do with people as well. I, I felt as a kid, I was because I just didn't know how to interact with people. I was so shy and mm-hmm. afraid of looking stupid or sounding stupid. And I've gotten over a lot of that, and I feel very comfortable. You know, I walk into a room now. One of my biggest fears years ago was walking into a room filled with people that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And now, one of the things I look forward to is walking into a room filled with people I don't know. <laughs> you see I'll either meet some really cool people, 
where I'm going to have some really fun stories about, you know, me talking to people and it just going horribly wrong. Right. Either way, it's going to be fun. Yeah, exactly. I know. I love a room full of strangers. Oh my gosh. That's fun times. It's like, it's like yeah. for me who loves hearing people's stories, it's, uh, it's like a dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can I just go to a stranger's Absolutely. wedding? There's a whole bunch of people there that I can talk to. That's awesome. Do you crash weddings often? Not yet, but I think I just got a new idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Wedding Crashers. They did that a while ago, but, you know, go ahead and take it. See where you can go with that. What the heck? I can start doing that and going just pretending I belong and start sitting down at different tables. I can do that. This was fun, though. I think the work that you're doing is amazing, and I'm so Thank excited you. to keep watching it grow and Maybe we'll see some of it show up all the way out here in the Midwest, which would be really cool. Yeah. You know, I love the Midwest. I love people from the Midwest. Um, one of the big things that people in LA talk about is how they, you know, people back East or back in like, you know, Midwest, there's just the values mm -hmm. typically that people have out there that we sometimes wish more people out here had. Hmm. Well, that's nice. So to when hear. you come out, if you ever come out to California, bring all that with you. Oh, I will. And I'll be there. You know, that I'll be heading out there oh, absolutely. anytime soon. All right. Well, I want to thank you again for sharing, um, you know, your story. And then as you get the new things coming out, let me know and I'll keep sharing them with our listeners so they can follow that it. Sounds too. great. All right. I will. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Have a good night. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. You know how I love to wrap the show with my inside perspective on what was going on. But before I do that, I want to let you know that the Naked Porch podcast episode with the Avengers versus the Justice League is up there and ready for your listening pleasure. So make sure to check that out. Take a deep breath. Okay. And then I wanted to talk about, oh wait, I have a quote. I have a quote that we didn't have in the show that we sort of talked about but missed. It was by Benjamin Disraeli. And it's, if you wish to win a man's heart, allow him to confute you. Confute is a tricky word. I would recommend looking it up in the dictionary if you don't know it already, which I have to do. But I did want to add that I agree with his approach. I think we need to teach kids to stand up for themselves and to be solid in who they are and to not be pushed around. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining.